Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, February 21st, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports I Own College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and we will get to the, this weekend's top games, most notably number three, Kansas, at number one, Baylor. Soon enough, I promise. But Duke lost to an unranked team earlier this week by 22 points. And anytime Duke loses to an unranked team by 22 points, we're obligated to discuss it. Our NC State dude in Wednesday's mailbag wanted to know why NC State doesn't get much podcast love. Well, th- this one's for you, Catmo123. All you had to do is uh, beat Duke by 22 points. Norlander, you're in Waco. Like I said, we'll talk about that game soon enough. How badly? You tell me, how badly did the Blue Devils mess up their number one seed aspirations in Raleigh the other night inside Cat Barber Arena? Is that where is that what we're calling it? Uh, not Chris Corciani Spectrum? No, I think it's Cat Barber Arena. All right, I'll, we'll go with Chris Corciani Court then. Okay, Cat Barber Arena, Chris Corciani Court. We're going to have to, by the way, I'm going to assemble a Google Doc so we can have consistency uh, on this highest uh, of levels here with this podcast. Um so we can know which schools are assigned to which. By the way, just just so everyone's clear, uh, I I'm coming to you from Terry Teagle Arena. It can be nothing. It it can be none other than Terry Teagle Arena. And I believe, as the all-time leader in, in Baylor scoring, Lace Darius Duncourt. So just let's let's just set that on the record now before we get to that later. But Cat <laughs> Bar, I feel like Cat Barber is like gr- nice nice college player. I just feel like there might be like I don't know five eight twelve. 20 more players you would have picked before then maybe no, I, don't, I don't pick by um where how the only one i'm uh I, i'm committed to making it after the a legend is Teagle arena clearly <laughs> um the rest of them i'm just interested in what sounds funniest to me and cat barber <laughs> arena sounds funny to me cat barber arena indeed like, i couldn't have terry teagle arena i would have tweety carter pavilion <laughs> tweety carter <laughs> Uh, well, shouts to the 83 national champs, Wolfpack. Uh, the starting lineup uh, probably feels like it, it should be in front of Cat Barber. But you know what? Here we go. CBA. They get the win, and the timing is hilarious because of specifically because of the the mailback question that we had had there. Um, I think it, it, it did damage to Duke's one seed quest because going into that game, I probably would have had it fifth overall, and now I would have Baylor one, Kansas two, I, I I put more on San Diego State being undefeated right now. Uh, so I'd have them narrowly three ahead of Gonzaga, four. And then once you got to the two line, Maryland, five, Dayton, six, Florida State, seven, Duke, eight. It's probably how I'd have it now. But they can still get it. I mean, if Duke wins out, if it does not lose again, wins the ACC tournament, it's going to have a shot at a one seed. But I thought it was I thought it was damaging. Did you see the stat I had late on Wednesday night about this was the worst loss that Mike Krzyzewski has ever had? at Duke while being ranked inside the top 10? I did see it, and I was about to say it on television, and then it just sounded like a mouthful, and I figured I'd screw it up, so I just left it completely alone, but it was interesting. Yeah, it is It is a little bit of a mouthful, but I'll lay it out here. So 
since Mike Krzyzewski got to Duke in 1980, every single game Duke had played as a top 10 team, all of the losses it had incurred, and there haven't been many, they had never lost by 20 or more points until NC State on the road uh, on Wednesday night. So a notable win for the Wolfpack, who, by the way, in getting that win, we'll give a little Wolfpack love here as well, uh, put themselves at least on the radar to try and get into the tournament conversation. They have another good opportunity at home against Florida State this weekend. So that was that was good for Duke. I will say this. I, I walked away from the loss with thinking this about Duke which is now 5th and Ken Palm, and from New Year's Eve until the middle of January, Duke was, was cruising as the number one team at Ken Palm, and it's since just slipped a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, and now it's 5th overall. But at 22-4, and four, if you were, whether, you know, college basketball expert, hardcore fan, drive-by fan, or whatever, and you want to say, I just don't think, I look at Duke, and I just don't think that team has the goods to win a national championship, I will not... Uh, completely disagree with you on that, but I can see where you're coming from because you saw him lose at home to Stephen F. Austin. That's a really good team, don't get me wrong, but you, you lost at home in overtime to SFA. Um, didn't play well against Clemson. Lost. You had the back-to-back losses, then came against Louisville, beat NC State, but even then there was some, like, you did beat Carolina, but it took a miracle to do so. The Boston College game, you looked terrible, went shot 1-15 from three-point range. And so there have been – and the Florida State game kind of came down to the last minute. Now, Duke won it. Don't get me wrong. But if you want to sell on Duke in March, I don't think that that's necessarily unwise because it is just showing signs here or there uh, of being – of being vulnerable. I don't consider this to be a top five team in college basketball. And I know I used to be there earlier in the season, but I honestly, I can't go there when, and the last size is when Vernon Carey Jr. has another awesome game and it doesn't even matter. It, it just kind of left me uh, spinning a little bit. I mean, he went 27 points, 12 rebounds, three blocks. He was good. And Trey Jones was also pretty good. And it wound up not making any sort of difference. You lose by 22 points. So that's what had me thinking like, yeah, I don't know. I just I'm not as high on Duke as maybe I once was. Me being obviously the the massive Duke hater that I am. Yeah, I mean that needs to be uh, laid out. Of uh, you come uh, to this conversation with an anti-Duke uh, perspective, so everything should be um, interpreted under that light. I've actually got Duke ninth right now, and I do rank uh, mostly by resumes, bodies of work. I pay attention to what people are doing now and what happened when um, players were out and players come back, but I do mostly rank teams based on bodies of work, and I've got Duke ninth behind all of the teams you said, which were Gonzaga, Baylor, San Diego State, Kansas, Dayton, Maryland, Florida State, but also Creighton. Creighton's sneaky good. We talked about this, I think, in the middle of the night the other night. You know, Creighton right now has eight quadrant one wins and zero losses outside of the first quadrant. Duke only has four quadrant one wins. Mm -hmm. They're four and two in quadrant one, six and one in quadrant two. So Duke is 10 and three. In Q1 slash Q2 opportunities with a Q3 loss to Stephen F. Austin. So I, I'm with you in the sense that um, they they can get a number one seed, but they are really fighting an uphill battle right now, especially for this reason. Like, I don't think San Diego State's losing. And so they're going to be that's so I don't know if you know this about college basketball in Orlando, but you you go, you got to have four number four number one seats. You got four number one seats. That's that. So, I've I've heard that might have to be the case. Yes. Okay. So you got to right. have four. There's only four. Okay. So if San Diego State's not losing, they're definitely one of them. And I don't think San Diego State's losing. So now we're down to three spots. It's simple math. Um, I, I think Gonzaga's going to get one. Now they Gonzaga could lose it, this weekend. 
I mean, it, now it didn't, but I went to bed last night and they were trailing at halftime, and I was like, "Are we going to lead the pod tomorrow?" Talking about Gonzaga falling to San Francisco, and then in typical Gonzaga fashion, like it just it, it rolled the dons in the second half. I'm with you as well. They got. We're going to get to the game because I know that's got to be one of the five. It's not one of your four, then it's going to be my fifth. But we'll see if what happened Thursday in the first half GP winds up, you know, showing itself over the weekend. But anyway, continue. I don't know if you realize this. Um, it's a 40 minute game, Norlander. <laughs> I do realize how long the game is. That was <laughs> tired, man. Long day of travel. I had to. I had to pack it in. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep asking you questions about very basic things. Like, do you do you realize um, that they we got to have four Final Four teams? I mean, gotta, you, everybody can keep saying I don't think anybody's good, but four of these teams are getting to the Final Four. We got to have four. And you got to get and, 68 uh, in it, somehow. That's right. We got to. We got to have four number one seeds. And it, it, it is a 40-minute game. I'm not concerned what what the, the score looked like with Gonzaga on Thursday night after 20 minutes because it's a 40-minute game. I think they scored 49 points in the final 20 minutes to to win by double digits once again. So I think Gonzaga is getting one. And then either Kansas or Baylor, and maybe both, but at mm-hmm. least one of them is getting one. That seems crystal clear. And I think Dayton's going to get one because I don't think Dayton's going to lose again. Okay, and you're so going you start- back on what you said like three weeks ago. I'll find the audio. When we talked about this, I said Dayton was going to get a one seed, and you were like, that's not going to happen. I don't think that's true. I've been a big Dayton fan all season. I'm not uh, I don't. I don't think I would have ever said something Actually, like I have been hearing a lot about the Gary Parish anti-Dayton bias. Only one of us actually went on a Dayton podcast this week, and it wasn't you. So uh, maybe yeah, we need to start look. shining a light on just how much you don't like Anthony Grant and how much you have a grudge against Obi Toppin, and that's why you don't believe that team can get a one seed. I love I love Anthony Grant. I love Obi Toppin. I love the Dayton Flyers. But on CBS Sports Network, we had a, a Obi Toppin pre like a, a Obi Toppin feature, like a little three minute feature that we've ran it before. But we ran it again the other night, so I got to watch it again. And it is like there, you know, the the mother and Obi Obadiah. Yeah. They're all they're talking about. You know, it was my senior year of high school, and and not a single Division one school was recruiting me. Like like what are these people doing? Not even recruiting Obadiah. It's like because you were six foot two, like he grew like he went to prep school and then and then did a red. Sh- he did a red shirt year. That's all. you. I mean, it was academic stuff, but like he grew six or seven inches since he was in high school. And so it's a little bit uh, a lower profile Anthony Davis situation. Uh, the reason people weren't recruiting him when he was a senior in high school is because he was like a six two, six three skinny guard. And now he's like a monster who I think is going to be a tremendous uh, pro, but I love Dayton, and I don't think I ever would have said Dayton's not going to be a one seed. I don't think Dayton's losing. I think Dayton could get a one. So right now, it, it, break it down like this: Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga all have more quad one wins right now than Duke. People are totally dismissive of Gonzaga. Not all people, but some people. Oh, they don't play in a real league. Well, somehow they've ended up with more quadrant one victories than than Duke right now. They've got five. Kansas and Baylor have ten each. San Diego State has the same number of quadrant one wins right now, four, Mm. as Duke, and they have zero losses. Uh, Dayton has three Q1 wins and no losses outside of the first quadrant. No losses uh, in regulation. Both losses to, to to ranked teams, Kansas and Colorado. Maryland has six Q1 wins right now. No losses outside of the first quadrant. Florida State's got three Q, uh, Q1 wins right now and only one loss outside of the first quadrant. Creighton, like I said, has eight quadrant one wins right now. Zero losses out of the first quadrant. From my perspective, Duke is chasing all of them. 
and I don't think you're going to be able to pass enough of them to get into the one seed line. Not ruling it out, but I'd bet against it. I would bet against it as well, and I stopped short of saying Duke losing to NC State kills off its one seed chances because I don't believe that's the case. But I do think that the way that the games shake out from here until we get to Selection Sunday are not going to allow Duke to get to the one line, which, by the way, is fine. The world's not going to end. It's it's totally reasonable, and they still got to try world, and fend off. The world. The world might end. Okay, it won't. But okay, what if the we, world ends? Well, then you know what? We're sure going to find a way to get this podcast to you three times a week. That's what's going to happen. Okay, uh, and get world ends and Terry Teagle still getting a shout out. That's if my, if, that's if the world ending meant that you didn't have to do this three times a week anymore, would you be for the world ending? No. What kind of question is that? <laughs> Although I think I might know your answer. Let's just continue to move along here. Duke is not going to be able to jump over all those teams. It's going to get a two. It might even get a three. Louisville and Florida State are still uh, vying, obviously. Those teams are tied atop the ACC standings. And those three in Virginia, and we'll see if anyone else can really crack in, but it feels like the ACC still might be just trending toward um, a, a four-bid status. If you are curious... Uh, Louisville 13-3 in the league, and then Duke and Florida State both at 12-3. and Duke does not get a chance against either of those teams again in the regular season. That's not true of FSU and Louisville, where those teams are going to play on Monday. We'll get to that, obviously, on the Sunday podcast when we preview it. But uh, FSU has the benefit of hosting the Cardinals at home. It already has won against Louisville earlier this season. If it can get that, then... FSU is uh, going to be positioned nicely to get a two, um, and it would have to do a ton to get a one. But it's still there. So, yeah, that's that's how it all shakes out right now. Did you, by, did, by the way, just as we're talking about Duke and stuff, did you uh, – I did not grab – I hate to disappoint our listeners if they thought this might be happening, but um, the the soundbite wasn't quite good enough. But did you catch Mike Krzyzewski's thoughts on, on playing Xbox and how it compares to being involved in an actual basketball game? I did not see this. Oh, yeah, no, it was – it was uh, – he was saying, you know, this is a real game played by real humans. It's it's not an Xbox. You know, it's it's it involves feelings and all this stuff. So I'm I'm all for Mike Shashevsky giving us different genres of post game quotes. It's not quite getting to Roy Williams level of despair, not even close. But uh, but yes, he did make he he did bring up the video game aspect of it. So I don't know if if uh, if Vernon Carey or Trey Jones or Cassius Stanley, Wendell Moore, Matthew Hurt. I don't know if they've been uh, you know playing whatever games. I could not tell you. Gosh, we're so old. I could not tell you one like popular game on Xbox right now. You might be able to because maybe your son still plays them, but my kids are not old enough to play. So my oldest doesn't play uh, console games anymore. He looks down upon console games. Oh, okay. He, like if you play a console, that means you're not serious about it. Is the best I can tell. So he plays everything on a PC. He has a quote gaming computer, okay. so he plays like CS:GO and some of these other types of games. We do have a Nintendo Switch that I play with my young boys on, and we play we play FIFA. FIFA's good. Yeah, I dig, I, a, little, I dig a little FIFA. You know what? Uh, the only computer game that I ever really played back in the day. Do you remember King's Quest? Ringing any I, bells? I, it rings a bell, but not so a bell good. loud enough to make me remember what it was. Treasure hunt game back in the day, early '90s. That was a classic, classic stuff. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Mike Shashevsky talking about Xbox. So we had a little bit of a press conference moment there. Um, but yeah, so you know, I got nothing else for you on Duke. I'll be honest. I, 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 I did see Mike blow right past Kevin Keats in the handshake that's, line. Did you see gonna, that? Are we going to make a thing out of this? Is that like I, a is blow pass is not accurate because he did stop. His his gate was halted. They did shake hands, and then he continued to move along. But, yes, it seemed as though Mike was uh, more determined to get through the line quickly than Keats. But also you got to realize, 
that was the first time that Duke has had the court stormed on him this year, and then you know Duke has gone through that more experience more than anyone. And so, from Shashevsky's perspective, you had to get the team off the floor. So I get all that. So and then there was the uh, the photo captured afterward uh, of Mike Shashevsky congratulating Markel Johnson on an empty student cleared floor. Right, that was nice. yeah, yeah, and that that was nice. I just thought. Like, I don't mean it about Mike. I just think uh, coaches in general, like Kevin was very clearly trying to say something to him and he just wouldn't even look at him. I think I, I'll keep it this simple. I think it's weird to not look at another human when they're trying to say something to you. Parrish, I try and say stuff to you all the time and you don't look at me. What are you talking about? Are you looking yeah, at me? I mean, right? it's, Can you look at me right now, please? Through Skype. I'm looking at you right now. I've been staring at you. You look good. <laughs> okay. You got a nice collared shirt on. You're all dressed up. Okay. They're inside Terry Teagle Arena. I am inside Terry Teagle Arena. Only a, f- a few paces from Lace Darius Duncourt. Yes, that's right. One last thing on this, and then we'll move on. You mentioned earlier that, hey, if you're out there and you watch Duke and you say, listen, I just don't see a national championship team. Um, you, you might not agree with that person, but you understand where they're coming from. You watched them lose at home to Stephen F. Austin. You watched them uh, just get destroyed uh, inside Cat Barber Arena in Raleigh against NC State. I will say this. Um, the past five national champions have all ended up being top 11 in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. That, that, if you look at our common denominator between the past five national champions, that's it. They're both the re- it's not enough, at least it hasn't been lately, to just be a great defensive team or a great offensive team. You better be great at both. The top 11 in both offensive efficiency and defense efficiency. Right now, there are three teams in the country that are top 11 in both. Trivia time, can you name them? I can name them, but also that is a logical fallacy because if you win the national championship, that's how you get to top 11 status. I need to know how many teams in the past 10 years were top 11 or top 20 or top 30 heading into the tournament because by winning those games, that's how you continue to move up. That's why UConn, when it won the national titles, it was way, way down, but by a a function of winning six games, it gets there. You see what I'm saying? No, UConn didn't get there, so I don't see what you're saying. Not top 11 specifically, but UConn greatly increased its offensive and defensive efficiency numbers after it kept beating really good teams in the NCAA tournament. You see what I'm saying? Like like every, I guarantee you this, the past five teams that won the national championship were not both top 11 in O and D heading into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, well, you're going to have to take that up with Kim Pomeroy. Okay, well, I, I mean, if you want me to actually get the data and present it to you on the next podcast, I can do that. Anyway, the question is what three teams are currently top 10, 11, O, and D? Uh, you obviously have Kansas that would be in there. San, uh, San Diego State would be in there. And then what would the third team be? Good you could probably guess it given the team we've been talking about for the past however many minutes. So it's got to be Duke. It's the Duke Blue Devils. It's got to be NC Duke State, San- actually. I, ch- I take my answer back. It is definitely NC State. Duke? San Diego State and Kansas are all top 11 in offensive and defensive efficiency at this moment. So here's the thing, dead leg. They don't have to win six games to get there. They're already there. That's a great point. You know what? You're absolutely right. You got to put four teams in the final four, Norlander. <laughs> you, do, you realize, do you realize that Baylor has been to 14 Sweet 16 since 2010? I realize it now. Yeah, you don't remember. You don't get the reference. <sighs> I'm going to bring it back on the oh, next no, podcast. No, no, that's a podcast thing. It is, but it, it started from a tweet. I'm saving it. I'm saving it because it's no, one of, oh, my gosh. I, uh, who did it? Who, who tweeted it? Who tweeted it? Who tweeted? Adam Zagoria? No. <laughs> <laughs> was it him or was it not? It was not. It was not. <laughs> It's 
see. I love Zags, but that does seem like something he would tweet. Oh, my gosh. All right. So there's going to be a lot of people that have been new to the podcast in the past three months or two years. I will bring back on the Sunday episode what we're referring to. It was Hoops Weiss who tweeted oh, this. Hoops. It was Hoops. <laughs> I will replay Oh, my God. I don't know if I've ever lost it more on a podcast than that. We're talking – this would have been like 2017, I think. It's been, a, it's been a while. But I will bring that back for the Sunday podcast. I might just tack that on to the very end. Or maybe – no, I'll put it somewhere in the middle because we'll, we'll talk about Baylor no matter what, and we can relive that in person. That is just an all-time moment. I think that was it. It was the year 2017, and, <laughs> and Hoops Weiss tweeted, Baylor's been to 14 Sweet 16 since 2010. <laughs> just, it was uh, so good. But anyway, okay, we can segue that, by the way, before we take a break here. But you want to talk uh, KU Baylor here, buddy? Yeah, let's talk uh, number three Kansas at number one Baylor. It's Saturday. Tip's going to be at noon Eastern. We'll get into it next. First, though, check this out. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. So, Saturday, noon Eastern, number three Kansas at number one Baylor inside Terry Teagle Arena. Norlander right now is in Waco inside Terry Teagle Arena. Um, what's the vibe there? Does it feel like you're in a college town that's about to have a massive basketball game? Uh, it there is a, there's certainly a buzz that you could one could potentially say is is of the palpable nature. Um, oh wow. I, I I can offer a few reports on the ground here. First of all, have you have you been to Waco before? I have been to Waco. Okay. Yeah, it's a uh, There was a time okay. where I I um I didn't go there just to go there. It, I feel like maybe I was in Austin for a Texas game and Baylor was playing a bye game like on a Friday night or you know, it's one of those deals. I'm going to Austin and oh, Baylor's playing, so maybe I'll just pop over to Waco and I popped over to Waco. I think I went. I think Jeff Goodman and I went together. Okay, that's it. That's, that's the whole story. All right, fair enough. Um, solid town. I have not gotten a chance to see too too much of it, but I did go. Uh, I mean, are you familiar with with Chip and Joanna? Are you familiar with who these people are? Chip and Joanna. Yeah. Do you know who Chip and Joanna? When I say Chip and Joanna, do you know who that is? Like you, you have to understand. I don't even know all of my cousins. Like I show up for Thanksgiving and I have to try to figure out who's who. So Chip and jo- Joanna, that's a tough one for me. It's possible. I always say this to people. I always say this to people because uh, they'll they'll go, hey, do you? Hey, I, I I'm friends with so and so, and they'll say a name like Chip. Like uh, let's say his name's Chip Smith. They'll say, uh, hey, I'm I'm real. I, I'm I'm close friends with Chip Smith, and I'm like, okay. And they'll be like, he he says he's good friends with you, and I'm like. Oh, I, like I like, and then I always say this: It's possible he and I used to be roommates, and I just don't remember. Like I have a, I'm not good at remembering 
people, which is why I hate it when folks walk up. You should never do this, by the way. And I don't mean you. I mean anybody listening. Never walk up to another person and say, you don't remember me, do you? I get that, I get that all the time. But you that, that, me, that puts you, you in a tough spot. Like, what are you supposed to do? It's of a, course I remember tough... you, Gerald. Right, so, I, so I used to try to lie. And I would say, what do you mean I don't remember you? Of course I remember you. And then the whole time I'm trying to just figure it out. So now I'm so offended by, by you an- anxiously um, p- putting me in that position. I'm so offended that you want to put me in this awkward position. Hey, you don't remember me, do you? You don't know my, you don't remember my name, do you? That I just I, even if I do, I say, no, nah, I do not remember you. I don't know your name. I, I, I'm not going to play along with this. <laughs> okay. This, Bad, bad game. Listen, Don't ever ask somebody if they remember you. Just reintroduce yourself. That's the nice thing to do. Fair enough. So, so I don't know. I, I, it's like, here's what it's possible. I wrote a story about Chip and Joanna and don't remember them. But uh, fill me in. Let's see if you can trigger. You did a memory. not write a story about Chip and Joanna. You have unfortunately um, offended. Uh, listen, every every podcast ends with a shout out to Terry M F and Teagle. Baylor legend, of course. He's a legend. And so because of that, you have uh, obviously uh, brought a certain uh, faction of the Baylor fan base in. But when they when they listen to this podcast and they're going to find out that you don't know who Chip and Joanna are, um, okay. it's not going to be good for you. All right? It's not going to be good because you know what's going to happen. Hmm. The HGTV crowd's going to get on your ass. Okay? They're oh, kinda, those they're, people. They're, oh, 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 those people. Oh. No, now, now I, I, I'm aware that there's some Waco residents who are very famous on television. I just didn't know their name, and I, I, I don't know their show. And that's not – like, I'm sure they don't sit around watching Inside College Basketball. It's not a big deal. <laughs> what if they do, though? What if Joanne is a big Inside College Basketball fan? Hey, what if they, Chip is what a big if, Baylor fan. You know what? I bet you Chip Gaines is a huge Ion College Basketball podcast listener. I'm sure You know what? Happens. What if, how how wild would it be if they're more familiar with me than I am them? <laughs> okay, take it down a notch there, buddy. The point <laughs> is, uh, I oh, think you, oh, oh yeah, you you tell me Chip's not up late one night watching a Fresno State <laughs> UNLV game. <laughs> you I'm gonna put my is. money against that. He's gonna. <laughs> I've, I've been told. Uh, I believe both will be on hand for the huge game tomorrow. They are. They are. Yes, they are. By far the most well-known residents of Waco, Texas, and they have a they have a restaurant called Magnolia Table, which is one of those spots where if you're going to go eat breakfast there, you're going to have to wait in the line. But was me and Liz Edwards, our wonderful producer with CBS Sports HQ, who is within earshot of this podcast right now, and I'm amazed she hasn't grabbed the headset off my head, taken the mic, and cursed you out because. Even when I, in advance of this trip, Liz is laughing at me right now as she's doing this, when I said, um, yeah, I think we're going to go eat at that restaurant with the HGTV people, she was like, Chip and Joanna? What? It's a whole thing, okay? Like, they they are taking over Texas, all right? So when you ask... If not for them being at a Baylor basketball game, I would have no idea who they are. I only know them... As the famous people who go to a Baylor basketball games sometimes. Do you know that? Can you, if I gave you a multiple choice, do you think you'd get the name of the show? Is it something to do with houses? It's well. Let's 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 go. Let's go with four options. Okay. Um, I, okay. I'm gonna go with four options of actual shows on HGTV. Hold on. I gotta I gotta think of uh I gotta think of two more here so that you don't get thrown. And I'll put them in a random. 
uh, a random order here. Um, HGTV trivia time. HGTV trivia time right now. By the way, so people are like, let's just talk about the damn game. Hold on. We're going to talk about Chip and Joanna first. Do you realize the wrath of Chip and Joanna Nation when they find out? We're going to give them some love uh, very much right now. <laughs> okay. So which of these four, this is a, this is a random order of HGTV shows, do you think are connected to Chip and Joanna Gaines? Trivia time. Okay. Are you ready? I'm as ready as I'm going to get. Are you sure? I'm sure of that. All yes. right. Here are the four shows. This is completely random order. Flip or flop. Hmm. Property swap. Hmm. Fixer uppers. Or house hunters. I think they're house hunters. They're not house hunters, Parrish. They're fixer-uppers. They are fixer-uppers. They They're are fixer-uppers. Upper. So shouts to, uh, shouts to Chip and Joanna, who are getting incredible amounts of run. I hope fans of Fixer Upper have found this podcast and enjoying it. Um, though there is a buzz. There's definitely a buzz. It's a sellout. Uh, there is a piece of news connected to this game, by the way. So Macy Oteague, who I'd love to see on Fixer Upper sometime. That'd be, that'd be actually an amazing cameo. If we what if, what if he was on Fixer Upper and they just fixed that big capital C right in the middle of his first name? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can they? Can Chip and Joanna fix that capital C? I like the capital C. I'd like that. <laughs> you're not. You're not telling me you want your R to be a capital R. I do. You I do want that from, R in your name to be a capital R. I'm so mad at my parents. I like. I guess my parents didn't understand you could name your child anything and just put random capital letters wherever you want. Um, because they didn't name me Gary. Like, what is more boring than Gary? Like. Why couldn't you name me Zion? Okay. <laughs> or Ja? <laughs> ja. Uh, well, you know, ja, that's not his actual first name, though, right? Yes, I do know that. Yeah, Demetrius shouts. Um, so Macy Oteague suffered a wrist injury against Texas a week and a half ago. He has missed the past two games. He is listed as a game-time decision. Um, he did participate in some stuff in practice on Friday, and that's not some big state secret. I talked about that with Scott Drew on CBS Sports HQ, and you can see those interviews airing all day Friday and in the lead-up to the game on Saturday. Um, so will he or will he not be able to play? That's the big thing because Teague is the second-leading scorer for Baylor, and at the time of his injury was actually the leading scorer for Baylor in Big 12 play even over Jared Butler. Having him would make a big difference. Uh, he told, Teague told me, I spoke to him a few minutes before we started podcasting, that if it's up to him, he's going to play. He wants to play, but it's a matter of, of pain management. And if, if the wrist is good to go, obviously wrist injuries can be a little bit um, problematic. Uh, but fortunately, it's just a sprain and nothing like a broken bone or anything like that. So we wait and see if he's on the floor. If he is, that can change things and how effective he can be. Um, I, don't ha- I think he will play, but that's just pure instinct. That's not me getting that from anyone anywhere. I, just, I get the feeling that big-time game, he wants to be out there. They're going to try and give that a go. So keep that in mind going in. A few stats, GP, and then uh, toss over your thoughts on this game. Obviously, the Baylor winning streak, which has been the biggest thing attached to Baylor as of late. They've won 23 straight games. It's the longest winning streak for any team in the Big 12 conference since the, the league reformed from the Big 8 to the Big 12 in the mid-1990s. But I saw a stat earlier today, and shouts to uh, David Kay, uh, Baylor's outstanding SID Get a hold of this stat. So Baylor not only continues to win, it's not trailing in games. Since December, it has held a lead for almost the entirety of the of the of the of the ninety two percent of the time since December, Baylor's had the lead in a game, and it has only trailed in one game of the second half 
since the start of, of Big 12 play, and that was when it played against Oklahoma State. So they're not even falling behind there. Keep that in mind as we go into this game tomorrow. They are a um, reliable team, great defensively, and I think we're going to have an awesome one. If they can beat Kansas, it will be the first time Baylor's ever swept Kansas, obviously, because they'd never won at Allen Fieldhouse. And it will be only the second time Bill Self has ever been swept by any Big 12 team since he got to Kansas. Oklahoma State did it two years ago. People keep asking me, I say it like I like like every five minutes. People come up to you say, not. "You don't remember me, do you?" Then you insult them, and then they ask you this question. Go ahead. Uh, no, people. Uh, I, I shouldn't overstate it. I, I've been asked, you know. So, what does Baylor need to do to win the national championship? And it's like just be what they've been. Like they, they it's not like they got to get better at all these amazing at all these things to be a national champion, particularly in this year. It's a great basketball Parrish, team. Parrish, top- let me let me tell you something. You may not realize this, but it takes six games to win a national championship. That's the thing people don't realize is that you got to win six in a row. My other one, my other my other go to <laughs> that Brent Stover always likes. Um, you know, sort of. It, you know, it, it'll be somebody's about to play somebody, right? Uh, Utah State's about to play San Diego State, and Stove Stove will say, "So, do you think Utah State is going to have a chance in this one?" And I say, "Stove, you have to, you know, I think people don't realize it's not a seven-game series. <laughs> Just got to win one. Just got to win one. This one. <laughs> I love I love reminding him that the NCAA tournament's not a seven-game series. <laughs> <laughs> so, imagine if it was. Oh God." <laughs> What if the NCAA tournament was a seven-game series? Every game. Every single game. Virginia had to three play years. UMBC four, seven times. What if UMBC and Virginia went to went to game seven? <laughs> Think about how pressure-packed that would be. College eligibility would last ten years if that was the case. It would be amazing. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, in the NCAA tournament, you got to win six games in a row. And it is not a it is not a seven game series. It's not so anything can happen. Do you have actual thoughts on Baylor's? How about this? What are your thoughts on Baylor's chances to sweep Kansas for the first time this season? These are these are two top three defensive teams in college basketball. I don't think uh, Baylor has gotten some love, but I don't think people realize just how good this this is potentially the best defensive team Scott Drew's ever had. Yeah, top three in defensive efficiency, top five in offensive rebounding percentage at 36.5. So they're not um, an elite offensive team. Offensive efficiency rating ranks 22nd in the country, but they get more than a you know a third of their misses. And so they create all these extra possessions, and that's how you end up uh, 24-1, 23-game winning streak. Their chances to sweep Kansas, sure. I mean, like, they're at home. Uh, they're, they're arguably the best team in the country. Um, I, I give them a I, I I pick him to win the game. How about this for a prediction? Well, are you, Baylor, are you making the pick before the f- final four and one? What are we doing? Yeah, I figured I figured we're going to talk about Baylor Kansas here. So there's no sense to revisit it in the final four and one when there's so many other good games to focus on. So here, here's the prediction: Baylor wins on Saturday, and then Kansas never loses again for the rest of until the world ends. Until the world ends. That's a hell of a prediction. Kansas wins the national championship, never loses after tomorrow. Kansas loses Saturday and then never loses again. Well, that that seems a little unreasonable, but <laughs> we'll see how that one works out for you. Obviously, within the context of the season, you're talking about till Selection Sunday. Um, no, I mean, ever, all they right, never. All right, all right, guy.
<laughs> the rest of the season, here's what they've got. Oklahoma State at home, at K-State, home to TSU, at Texas Tech. Then what may come in the Big 12 tournament. By the way, Devon Dotson is the number one player in Ken Palm's Player of the Year rankings right now. Yudoka Azabuki is number eight. Uh, if you have a Ken Palm subscription and you want to go check out uh, that ranking, it ranks the top ten particularly. And so... Obviously, uh, Kansas is the only team that has two in the top ten, which is a rarity in general. Dotson is ahead of Garza at two, Marcus Howard at three, Malachi Flynn at four, Vernon Carey Jr. at, at Duke is five. His player of the year rankings are not dependent upon team win-loss records. And traditionally, obviously, player of the year tends to go to a player that's on a one, two, three, or four seed. Uh, Dotson is in a good spot, but we'll see. As Buki's been fantastic as well. If uh, if Dayton fans are wondering, uh, Obi Toppin falls seventh on that list overall. I'll be interested to see what Kansas does uh, to try and try and overcome what it couldn't uh, earlier in the season when Baylor won 67-55 and got its first win in program history inside uh, Allen Fieldhouse. So I I do think we're going to have a time. That is not Allen Fieldhouse. Well, I don't. I was going to say a player, but I, I don't. I don't know who you want to give that name to. I mean, uh, who? All right, just go ahead with it. It's Sharon Collins Fieldhouse. Okay, that's good. I'll take it. It's Sharon Collins Fieldhouse. I, well, I, 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 I person to me, yeah, okay. That's Morse, Morse Twins Court. Uh, uh, I mean, court. all right. I, I got, I got, I got a, a partial feeling for Jeff Withy, but that's fine. <laughs> what if it was Jeff Withy Court? It should be Jeff Withy Court. <laughs> what if one day, one day you look up and and inside Allen Fieldhouse is Jeff Withy Court? That's what I want. That's really what it should be for getting. If we're getting down to brass tacks here, Jeff Withy Court, but it's jo- Josh Selby Court. Josh Selby, it's definitely not Josh <laughs> Selby Court. I can guarantee you that it is not Josh Selby Court. Uh, it's Tyshawn Taylor Court. Oh boy, oh gosh. Tyshawn Taylor Court inside Sharon Collins Fieldhouse. I'm gonna take. I I do think Macy Oteague is gonna play, but I will take Kansas. And I had to write a preview for this on .com. If you want a little more of this stuff, get yourself hyped for, oh, by the way, the biggest game of the season so far. Um, you've got the number one and number two teams at Ken Palm playing each other. Trivia time! All right. When's the last time the top two Ken Palm teams played each other? Um, I'm going to say it was that Oklahoma-Kansas Buddy Hill moment. It wasn't, but um, it was earlier this season when Michigan State opened up against Kentucky in the preseason. I believe they were 1-2 in Ken Palm at the start of the I season. I swear to God, I almost said that. But you didn't. That's the thing. You said freaking Buddy Heald in Oklahoma, which was an awesome game. If this game could live up to that, it would be incredible. It won't. That was just an all-time epic. I think this game will be decided in the 60s. I'll take Kansas like 67-65 or something like that. I think it will be somewhere along those lines. And um, this doesn't count for the Final Four and one, so we won't add it to the record. But we both have – no, you have KU losing. I have KU winning, and then you have KU uh, never losing again. Right. Baylor wins tomorrow. Kansas never loses again. Okay. Into the world. That's that just sounds like an incredibly bold prediction, right? I, I don't That's, know if we'll ever have a bolder prediction in the history of this podcast. I know, but just think about it. Like it's not the craziest thing no, in the world that Kansas could win a national championship and never lose again after it, tomorrow. It is. And so NCAA sanctions are coming. So that's 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 going to happen. So like Kansas will be losing a lot eventually. <laughs> It will be losing. But but not this season. <laughs> not, not this season. Parrish says Kansas winning the national title. Mark it down. What's the point of even doing a Selection Sunday podcast, I guess? All right. 
Let's go to the final form one. Let's do it. I've already had enough of this. <laughs> Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, number 14, Oregon, at number 24, Arizona, inside the Book Richardson Center. No! <laughs> yes, it's the Book Richardson Center. That's where Arizona plays. And they call it the book for short. Fill the book. I, I will have no argument on this. That it can be that, but it's it's uh, okay. Uh, all right, if you if that's what it's got to be, uh, Book Richardson is fine. But you know what the you know what the court has to be, right? There's only one. There's only one player. Larnell Court. N- no, no player. Who would be the player that would get the court? Mustafa Shakur. It's the only option. <laughs> Mustafa Shakur Court. Mustafa Shakur Court. That's Inside the Book Richardson Center. You can watch the game on ESPN. Ken Palm's got it. Arizona minus five. A great game here. Um, ah, this is a really fun one. So Oregon uh, was not able to win on Thursday night. Arizona State did well for itself in getting another victory. Arizona State's on a nice little run here, um, entering into the NCAA tournament conversation. At one point, it was 12-8 and eight now. Just a shout to Bobby Hurley and his Sun Devils. They are 18-8 and eight and 9-4. and four. And if they can win against Oregon State, you know, don't slip on the banana peel, then we can really start talking about the Sun Devils uh, getting somewhere in the Pac-12, doing pretty well for itself. Arizona, meanwhile... Gets another opportunity to win uh, a home game. Didn't have any issue on Thursday night. Romping Oregon State. Um, I will take Arizona in this spot. I will quickly plug, if you have not already read it, Court Report Wednesday had a piece on Zeke Najee. Zeke Najee is the second best freshman in college basketball to Vernon Carey Jr. And he is absurdly talented at piano. Like good enough at piano. Like a lot of athletes can play an instrument. Grant Williams famously could play the piano when he was at Tennessee. Zeke Najee is another level. He could have been accepted into music schools across the country. He's that good. So you have a genuine first. He might be the first first round talent since Grant Hill that's that good at piano. So uh, credit to him and uh, give it a look. There's some cool videos of him and, and photos when he was younger as well. I will take... I'll, I will take the Wildcats here. I will take them uh, to cover. Um, I think that I think they've got more now. I think they've got more talent. Oregon's got the best player on the floor. Peyton Pritchard's the player of the year in the Pac-12 at this point. Um, but this is a a little bit of a tough ask for Oregon. Um, I don't think they're going to win, and I don't, I don't think they're going to cover. Give me the Wildcats. I'll take Oregon plus the five. Uh, Arizona has been. We've talked about this before. Just sort of a confusing team because you could argue that just from a perspective of NBA talent, nobody's got better NBA talent. You know, I, I, I think according to maybe it was Sam Vecini's latest mock draft, Arizona was the only team that had three projected uh, first round picks in the country. And so they've got, you know, the, the, the necessary pro talent to be good and they are good. The computers love them, but they've just sort of, it's just been one weird performance uh, and then they look great, and then there's another weird performance. Uh, I, I do think they'll win the game. Inside Book Richardson Center is a, a big advantage, obviously, but I'll take Oregon plus the points. Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern, number two Gonzaga at number 23 BYU inside Brandon Davies Pavilion. You can watch it on ESPN2. Kim Pom's got it, Gonzaga minus two. Uh, if we're going to do this, like it can't be Brandon Davies over Jimmer Fredette. Like why 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 would you pick Brandon Davies? Well, well let me explain. Okay, <laughs> I, I I I really do put because he in. has an explanation <laughs> for this right now. I do have an explanation <laughs> because I feel like he's owed that for 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 when they ripped away his season because he decided to have premarital sex. <laughs> 
glad you can offer Brandon Davies some level of redemption on a podcast. He needs he needs he is owed something. That BYU was twenty seven and two in the two thousand ten eleven season. Rolling, looking like a one seed, maybe a national champion. And then Brandon Davies got suspended for banging his girlfriend. <laughs> it all went downhill from there. It did go downhill. They went five and three the rest of the way, lost in the Sweet Sixteen to Florida. It did go downhill. Yeah. Nice rally, though, make the Sweet 16. All right, Brandon Davies Pavilion inside on on Jimmer for that court. I should say, I'm I'm respectful of everybody's religion. I'm not trying to whatever. But I'm also a big believer in premarital sex. (laughs) I love – I'm I'm pro premarital sex. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm gonna take. If you ask me if I'm if I'm for oh it or against gosh. it, I'm always gonna be for it. I'm for premarital sex, hmm. and so I stand up for Brandon Davies. This game will take place inside Brandon Davies Pavilion. On Jimmer for that court. All right, fair fine, enough. That's fine. All right, fair enough. Um, BYU is gonna win the game. Cougs are gonna win. Cougs are gonna do it. They're gonna win. I'll say something like uh, 89, 85. BYU is gonna get it, and when it does. It's going to improve its record to 23-7 and and be a lock for the NCAA tournament in getting that kind of win. So I will ride with Mark Pope in his first season with the Cougars, getting them back to the NCAA tournament. Uh, This is a game between two of the best three-point shooting teams in America. BYU shooting 41.9% from the arc. That ranks first nationally. Gonzaga, 39.4% from three-point range. That ranks third nationally. And, like, listen, it'll be like – you know, and, uh, top five team loses to, you know, number 22, uh, number 23 BYU. You know, it'll be a quote upset. And I guess technically it will be, but there's nothing crazy about BYU winning this game. Like I've told you before, um, their record doesn't look great uh, on a surface level, but they're 14 and two with Yoeli Childs in the lineup, 14 and two. Mm-hmm. And so they're really good when they're healthy and not, you know, when they don't have anybody suspended. And uh, they're, you know, everybody's in the lineup on on Saturday night. I will take Gonzaga just because I've been riding with the Zags for a while. They are number one in the top 25 and one this morning for the 54th consecutive day. I prefer not to have to adjust that. I'd ride, I'd like to just ride it straight into Selection Sunday. Um, so I'll take Gonzaga uh, to win the game. But obviously, uh, this is going to be a really fun one. We, it, it's a neat Saturday in the sense that the two biggest games, at least from from in my opinion. Are super early and super yes, late. They, but the game is the day is. I I agree. They, the the day is bookended by the two most compelling games, and I think that's pretty cool. Right. So you get a a, a noon Eastern tip for Baylor uh, uh, Baylor Kansas, and then you get a 10 p.m. Eastern tip uh, for Gonzaga BYU. So you're taking BYU. I've got Gonzaga minus two. Sunday, noon Eastern. Number nine Penn State at Indiana, inside. Christian Watford Hall. Mm. You can watch it on FS1. Penn State minus one, according to Ken Palm. Uh, Indiana could really do itself a bunch of favors by winning this game. Uh, Penn State's just trying to keep uh, pace to keep a seed good enough so that it can get geographic preference for the NCAA tournament. Indiana is 17-9. It's coming off a needed road win on Wednesday against Minnesota. And, again, just a reminder to to listeners, if you've just uh, lost track of this, we are providing you the projected Ken Palm uh, line here. So the line could, in fact, be different when it comes out. Um, this is a Sunday game, so 
It'll come out on Saturday there. I will take the Hoosiers to get it done. Um, I don't have a ton of confidence in that, but I'll ride with uh, I'll ride with Archie Miller's crew. Penn State's twenty and six, and it has only lost once in the past month. It's coming off that loss at home against a revitalized Illinois team that got Io Desumu back, and he went off for twenty four. Had a great game. Uh, credit to Illinois for for snapping its streak. Uh, but yeah, mark me down. Mark me down for the Nittany Lions taking the L in Indiana, getting a close win. Uh, Jerry Palm has Indiana as a nine seed right now. The Hoosiers have won two of their past three, uh, that most recent win being the win at Minnesota. So Indiana right now, seven and seven in quad one slash quad two opportunities with zero losses um, outside of those first two quadrants. So the, if you want to you know, pull above 500 in Q1, Q2 games, uh, this is an opportunity for Indiana to do it. I'm going to take Penn State. In the year of Pat Chambers. This is the hashtag Pat Chambers contract extension. Okay. <laughs> so you, you had, a, you had a, um, a coach who entered this season on the hot seat yeah. who is now in contention for Big Ten Coach of the Year will definitely get a contract extension. And if he wins this game, then it puts uh, even more pressure on Archie Miller, who is in year three trying to take Indiana uh, to the NCAA tournament for the first time. I, I do think Indiana will get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think the win at Minnesota was uh, not necessarily a turning point, but really good to get that one uh, under your belt. But I'll take Penn State in this one inside Christian Watford Hall on Sunday afternoon. Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern, number seven Maryland at number 25 Ohio State inside Aaron Craft Arena. You can watch it on CBS, Ohio State minus two, according to Ken Palm. Yeah, obviously on David Lighty Court, no doubt about that. One of the classic college basketball players of all time. Maryland has been looking tremendous. I'm excited for uh, for next week. I'll be I'll be there for when Michigan State visits the Terps. Um, right now, uh, Maryland's 22 and four has not lost since January 14th. It's riding uh, a nine game winning streak. It's the longest winning streak since I believe this might have been a trivia time a couple pots ago. But uh, last time Maryland won this many games was 0102 when they won the national title there. Um, I'm going to pick them to lose in this spot, and I'm going to pick them not even to cover. I'm su- I'm a little. I guess I'm a little surprised that it's only two, um, because Ohio State still rates well at Ken Palm. Uh, its efficiency margin is, is still 12th best in college basketball, while Maryland Maryland is eight overall. Uh, but guys, if they can get a win here, they just lost at Iowa. They've obviously had a lot of turbulence since they started the season well, and Parrish uh, found himself uh, sexually attracted to their style of play. Um, we don't need to go over that again, but that certainly did happen on a podcast, and someone played it back, or at least informed Chris Holtman, who'd had no idea <laughs> what they were talking about. Shouts to Adam Jardy, but um, we are all about this podcast infiltrating press conference questions around this country. I will take Ohio State to win this game and to cover, um, and in, in doing so... I don't think you can call them a lock. They they could still lose all these games and not be there, but they would they would really help themselves in a big way to get a high level quad one win in the spot. Chris Holtman being asked what he thinks of me being sexually attracted to his offense <laughs> is is a is a is an all time podcast moment. If you want if you if you want to get a, a shout out on the podcast this weekend, if you're at, in a press conference at a college basketball game, ask. Whatever coach, it doesn't matter. <laughs> ask ask a coach what he thinks it would be like if the NCAA tournament was a seven game series. <laughs> coach, do you have to play a seven game series in the NCAA tournament? And if, if you did, what do you think that would look like? 
Yeah, I dare someone to do that. I'm sure all of the beat reporters listening to this are just going to be so eager, particularly after a loss. Yeah, bonus points there. If that Coach, do you do you think people realize that you got to put four teams in the Final Four? Do you realize it takes six games to win the NCAA tournament? Coach, do you do you think people understand? You got to win six games to get in the NCAA, to, to to hold the trophy at the end, and that doesn't even count if you're in the first four because then it's seven. Then it's seven. Do people realize that? Ohio State, like you said, coming off Thursday's loss at Iowa. Um, Maryland's got six quadrant one wins right now, zero losses outside of the first quadrant. I believe there's only seven teams in the country that haven't lost outside of the first quadrant. One of them is Maryland. All four losses are the top 30 net teams. That nine-game winning streak is impressive. They got a two-game lead in the loss column of the Big Ten standings. Um, They're going to be, I think, your outright Big Ten champions. That would be the first outright title uh, league title for Maryland since, as we discussed on a previous podcast, 2002 when they won the national championship. I'm going to take Maryland plus the points. Give me Maryland straight up. I'll take Maryland straight up. I think the Terps are going to keep rolling. They've been playing well. And Ohio State, you just never know what you're getting from them. Yeah, that's true. Do we disagree on all four of these, by the way? I think we do. I hope so. Right? We do. We disagree on all four. And as a yes, updated standings, by the way. I do have updated standings. Would you like them? Not really, but I would I need to update my standings. All right. So I'm thirty eight, thirty six and one. You are thirty three, forty one and one and have a chance at a at a strong, strong comeback here. So thirty three, forty one. Yeah, and, and one. one. Yeah. Well that stinks. All right. So uh before I get to my game, just a, a few uh quickies to keep an eye on. Michigan plays at Purdue at two o'clock on ESPN on Saturday. Purdue is bizarre, man. They're fourteen and thirteen and still have a shot, like a real shot to make the NCAA tournament. They're gonna flirt with the record of fifteen losses being the most um they gotta get these wins. So they gotta beat Michigan at home. Then they get Indiana at home and they still have Rutgers at home. That's three of the final four games. Uh, we talked about Purdue recently on a podcast how fascinating they are. Michigan, you know, it's it's obviously in a much, much better spot there, but see if it can pull off a road win. Um, NC State hosts Florida State. I'm not going to pick it for the N1 here, um, but that's just if, – if NC State wins that game, then, yes, it's, it suddenly has a much stronger case. In mean, t- meantime, as we mentioned earlier, Florida State uh, tries to keep chase as well. That's a 4 o'clock tip. you got to have ACC Network in order to, uh, to be able to watch that one. Villanova plays at Xavier. Xavier's another team. That's on the bubble, and it's got a big opportunity at home against Nova. Uh, another good Saturday uh, tilt. That one will tip right along. Uh, never mind, it won't. It'll tip at 2.30 on Fox. I was misreading the, the copy here. Marquette at Providence tips alongside Kansas-Baylor, and that's a noon tip. Both those games are on Fox. Providence has to win that to keep its at-large hopes alive. Similar to Purdue, it's got a very bizarre and interesting uh, resume. So a few to watch there on Saturday, but my game is a Saturday tip. 6 o'clock on ESPN. You're going to find this game inside Tony Delk Arena as they play it out on Keith Bogan's court. Florida, Kentucky, preseason top 10 teams. One of them has tried to give chase and kind of keep itself near that. That's being Kentucky. Florida, meantime, has not. But here's the interesting thing. Florida is 17-9 and and is 32nd in Ken Palm. Kentucky is 28th despite a 21-5 record. That loss to Evansville, even though it was only by three points, and the loss to Utah, even though it was only by three points, and the loss to South Carolina, even though it was only by three points, um, you take into account everything that Kentucky has done, what it's been expected to do at Ken Palm, and what it's not done in terms of the wins and not winning by as big of a margin. It's hurt them in the predictive metrics. I'm surprised that they're still in 28. 
Kempom has this game as a five-point home win for the Wildcats. GP, who you got? Go Gata or Big Blue? Well, I, I read that Nick Richards and Ashton Higgins both uh, missed practice, uh, maybe as recently as yesterday. And so, you know, you know, are are they both going to play? Is one of them going to play? If, if they, how healthy are they? All of that is um, stuff to, to to consider. I would I would assume at this point that that they'll both play, whether they're a hundred percent or not. Uh, Florida, I, I know they've been better, I, I guess, but. I, I don't trust them to go into Tony Delk Arena and 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 certainly beat Kentucky, um, and maybe not even play close with Kentucky. Like you know, th- this team is. What have they done on, on the road this season? There's not much good stuff there. I mean, they they've. I'm like I'm actually trying to look for they road have, wins. They have they have three road wins. They, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and A and M are all the road they, wins. They won at Devin Downey. Yes. <laughs> they they won it. They won at Devin Downey Arena. They won at what are we calling Vanderbilt? We'll get there eventually. Uh, let's. We don't have to figure this out all now. Let it organically. Next season, if Vanderbilt's got a game worth picking, we can make we can make those decisions down the way. For now, it'll be Kevin Stallings' gym. No, it won't. <laughs> I don't think it should. <laughs> it's Kevin Stallings' gym right now. Kevin Stallings <laughs> has a three-year show cause because he cheated at Pitt and they were still horrendous and couldn't get an ACC win. And we'll sneak in a little news bit and headline there. I don't think that we should we should put that on Vandy. Although to be fair, he was a pretty good coach at Vandy. So they won at Devon. So Florida has won at Devon Downey Arena, at Kevin Stallings' gym, and at AC Law Fieldhouse. Yeah, and that's it. AC I, Law I think the fourth, of course. The fourth. You got to be got to be clear about that. AC Law. AC Law the AC Law the fourth Fieldhouse. That's right. And so three road wins against three whatever teams. So yeah, they're now they're going to go to Kentucky and play them close. I mean, they probably will, but I'll uh, I'll bet against it. I'll take Kentucky minus the points. Here we go. This is the one we have agreement on. I figured that's where we were heading. I will also take Kentucky minus the five there. Um, they, I just think that they have enough. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll have agreement on that. And it should be a pretty good Saturday. This might wind up being uh, the most you know exciting Saturday so far this season because you got Kansas Baylor uh, being the best game of the season. It, it really revs up there. And I actually. For my purposes, I love the fact that it's early. I'll be able to fly home late, get back home to the East Coast late on Saturday night. And, um, yeah, man, wake up, get some breakfast, get a little brunch in you, and then just dive right in. Huge game. Should be a fantastic one. And um, keep an eye out. Uh, Thanks for listening to the pod, everyone. But also on HQ, I mean, I'm here, so I'm going to be on HQ doing interviews and stuff like that. And GP will be on HQ on Saturday as well. So uh, be sure to have it on your phone, your computer, your smart TV, or whatever. Just we... If you love the podcast, trust me, we will not short you on uh, on the HQ side as well. Just wanted to give that a little bump too. On Saturday, there's a triple header on CBS Sports. On Sunday, more games. The best one being uh, that number seven Maryland at number twenty five Ohio State game that we discussed in the final four and one. So a lot of good basketball on CBS Sports and CBS Sports Network uh, this weekend. Norlander will be in Waco. Pop it on HQ nonstop. I'll be. Um, on CBS Sports HQ all day Saturday, previewing games, halftime of games, post-game stuff. So, yeah, like Norlander said, if you don't have that uh, downloaded yet, uh, put on your smart TV, uh, go grab it. In the meantime, shouts to Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rated favorably. Five stars, nice comments, and we will talk to you again on Sunday. Till then, take care.